Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T R Y L I F E M D.com. Right, so, Matt, I'm, I started investing in stocks here lately. Oh, really? Yeah, mostly beef, chicken, and vegetable. Um, I'm hoping one day to become a bullionaire. <laughs> God, that's terrible. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the graveyard. Thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Adam. And my name's Matt. Now, pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable because this is Graveyard Tales. All right. Hey, we're back with it again, Matt. Uh, it's yeah. been a little while since we've actually sat down here and recorded. I know. I know. It's pretty awesome, though. It feels good. It feels good to be back. Um, real quick, we wanted to thank Care Of, who's our sponsor tonight, so we'll talk more about them here in a little bit. Um, now, the reason that Matt and I have had not been sitting in front of the mic for a little while um, if you're a patron, you already know this, but we wanted to kind of briefly touch on it. Um, I have moved back to Texas, uh, left Matt in Tennessee and moved back here to Texas. So, you know, we we had to take a little break. We recorded a bunch of stuff ahead of time so that we could make this move and not actually miss a beat for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, in y'all's timeline, it hadn't been that long. Right. Nothing's changed. <laughs> the time warp right so but yeah so uh so we we've kind of known this uh for a while that this was coming up and we didn't we didn't let the cat out of the bag because we didn't want people to worry that the show was going away or that something was going to change nothing nothing's going away nothing's going to change uh in fact um to to um to the listeners it's going to sound like it always has just like we're sitting in the same room. Instead, we're just we're looking at one another on video. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we made sure that you guys would have the exact same experience that you're you have grown accustomed to having. So no need to worry about that. Um, our release dates are going to be the same. Um, nothing like that's going to change. So you shouldn't even know. We just wanted to give you all kind of a quick heads up on what's happening. On that note, Matt, what is happening tonight? What are we talking about? Oh, we're talking about the Yowie! Now, that's not just a Southern uh, <laughs> exclamation of joy now, is it? 
<laughs> no, <laughs> no, the the Yowie or or Yahoo or uh, whatever our our friends from down under want to call it. Yamalama Ding Dong. Yeah, is the uh, is the Australian version of Bigfoot. So now he's a little bit different, uh, but we're essentially talking about a bipedal hominid type hairy creature um, that uh, that has been sighted for centuries. Yep, throughout Australia, and um, I, th- I think you're you're really going to enjoy this when when Adam pitched this out as an idea. I was like. Yeah, I've never heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I, I don't know what you're talking about, uh, which you know isn't always that uncommon, but, uh, um, especially when we're talking about any kind of cryptid creature at all. The chances are Adam's heard of it, and I have not. Yeah, I've got um, you beat on that one. But I'm t- yeah, I'm telling you, I I was amazed at the uh, at the stories we could find about. People seeing this thing or or these things that's that's another big difference. Um, you're going to hear us talk about we're we're not we're in uh, in the U.S. We talk about Bigfoot like maybe it's one, and he just and he, and he moves around that it, it's just one ancient creature or maybe just a few. But for the Yowie, we might be talking about an entire species, right? Of of creatures that. Either is undiscovered or possibly uh, just uh, left over. It just yep. has existed for you know centuries and centuries, and was once thought extinct. And now it, we're finding out maybe it's 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 managed to hang around. Yep. So. Something that's at least unacknowledged by science, which is right a shame, you know. But back in 1804. The book Modern Geography, a description of the empire's kingdoms, states, and colonies with the oceans, seas, and isles in all parts of the world. That's a long title, man. Good grief. Why, <laughs> why do old books have such long titles? That's my question. You know, I don't, I don't get it. Uh, anyway, this was published by John Pinkerton. Now, in it, there is a comment regarding a population of Aborigines that shared Sydney Harbor with another tribe. The Aborigines regarded them as another people entirely. They called them the Yahoos or Yowies, meaning hairy people. Now, it was regarded as a magical being from the time of creation, or what Aborigines call the dream time. So this is apparently a creature that's been around since the beginning of time, according to Aboriginal tales. Now, they're described in a couple different ways. There's actually two different types of Yowie that people are seeing, but they're both described as flat-nosed with wide nostrils, thick eyebrows, and sunken eyes, and their mouths are of, quote, prodigious width with thick lips and prominent jaws. So if you're picturing that, it is kind of a older like hominid relic species is what what i picture just from that description sounds kind of like a caveman yeah kind of like kind of like some of my family members it's weird (laughs) (laughs) so easy a yowie can do it yeah right (laughs) (laughs) 
So descriptions of the Yowie are very similar to descriptions of what we call Sasquatch here in North America. And I tend to believe personally that they're related species. If they're not, you know, like first cousins, they're at least closely related to one another in the hominoid family tree, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. But we all know my my love for all things Sasquatch and Bigfoot and all that. So I'm, I'm a little partial. Now, like I said, there are two known types of Yowie in Australia. There's a large species that's between six to 10 feet tall and weighs up to a thousand pounds. And it is said to resemble a huge hair covered ape like man with talons for fingers and a large red mouth. So that's very similar to North American Sasquatch in the size but we don't really hear about the talons for fingers, you know, with the Sasquatch. Adam's making air talons. Yeah, I would. <laughs> the claw. <laughs> yeah. Air talons. <laughs> and the, the, with us doing this over video, I've got to make sure I get it in the camera so he can see me. So I can tell what he's doing. <laughs> Otherwise, it looks like I'm just air grabbing stuff anyway um compared to the north american sasquatch it is believed to have more of a primate look to the face and to the head and walk upright so its temperament is generally described as more aggressive and dangerous toward humans than the north american sasquatch so most of the time we don't hear about well take that back it's rare that we hear about a North American Sasquatch attacking somebody. Right. We get there, those There are reports of it happening, but it's, it's, it's very uncommon. Right. But apparently, the larger species of Yowie in Australia is a little more aggressive, and it does uh, act out toward humans. Yeah. It's just generally in a bad mood. Yeah, right. Again, like some of my family members. This is weird how closely this ties to family. It's weird. You're uh, going to have family members that are going, I bet he's talking about me. Yeah, no kidding. Every, he's talking about me. Every one of them that listens is going to go, wait a minute, go looking in the mirror, looking for sunken eyes and <laughs> big forehead. Like, right. Wait a I minute. Know, I know he's talking about me. Yeah, this is me. Um but the smaller species of Yowie is said to normally be between four and five feet tall, so slightly smaller, most of the same physical descriptions, just a smaller version of. So it could either be a separate species or, you know, of Yowie or just the babies of the Yowie that they're seeing. But a lot of the reports of Yowie say they have fangs, which is more ape-like than human-like and i picture these little ones being like like chaka on land of the lost oh yeah yeah (laughs) and that's very possible next next episode is all about slee stats yeah right (laughs) (laughs) but you're gonna you're gonna age yourself when if you know what i'm talking about when i say chaka and slee stats yeah, if you just started laughing really hard out of acknowledgement <laughs> of that joke, we've got your number. Um, you know, which, which makes me, a, a lot of the descriptions of the Yowie make me feel like it is more ape 
than man, where the North American Sasquatch seems to be a little more manlike than ape-like. The right, the Yowie right. seems to be a little more wild. You know, a little, I guess, less developed in in its humanness. Well, more, more like a gorilla. Yeah, right. Exactly. More you like know, a different it, primate species. And, and you know, we'll we'll get into that later. Right. You know. Um, but like Native Americans in North America, Aboriginal Australians have a long history that's full of strange tales of a large hairy bipedal creature that shared their land. And when early colonists arrived, they had their own run-ins with the beast and left their stories behind as well. Now, Yowie hunter Dean Harrison claims there have been thousands of sightings of the Yowie throughout modern history. Now, Dean Harrison, he he is a researcher and has 20 plus years of experience researching the Yowie. Now, Harrison also has a claim to fame of having survived not one, but two attacks that he attributes to Yowies. There's no one else in the world, I think, that could say that. (laughs) Most, you know, most everybody that talks about it, they've only been attacked once. Right. If they talk about it at all. somehow managed to get attacked twice because he didn't get the message the first time. (laughs) Right. You know, but but Harrison's accounts were published um, by Lauren McMah for News.com Australia. And in this article, Harrison claims that he was attacked by a Yowie. Uh, the first time in a city, the city of Ormu in 1997, and then the second coming in 2009 in Kilkavan. I'm probably mispronouncing both of those, but we're going to go with it. We got a lot of so, Australian listeners. They're going to holler at you. They're going to correct me, and that's okay. That's okay. Matt needs um, correction. <laughs> all the time, especially when it comes to saying anything that is outside of the U.S., I'm going to screw it up. Um, but, but Harrison states that if it hadn't been for a phone call that he made around 11 PM, the first attack would have taken him out. Now he's quoted as saying, it was only by the grace of God that I survived. Now he doesn't give a lot of details on this attack, but in 2009, he describes the creature that attacked him as behaving very similarly to the one in 97 going on to say that it took several other men to rescue him and the attack took him eight months to recover. Good now, grief. he's even said that he will, he will no longer go in the bush alone. Because Probably of, a good idea. Because of this. Yeah, not a bad idea. So at least he got some of the message. Um, <laughs> Eventually. Now, now, Harrison, he is quoted as saying, the scary thing is that Yowies have a massive advantage over us because of their eyesight in the dark. The thing that knocked me over ran down a hill in pitch darkness, past obstacles, trees, and logs. The angles were so steep, but it sprinted down. He says it didn't miss a beat. He said the one that chased me at Ormu was the same. So he's he's really talking about how strong and athletic these creatures really are and apparently have supervision when it comes to being in low light or darkness that they can run through, uh, you know, heavily wooded areas or, 
you know, clear obstacles, you know, and he's describing this one as being able to sprint down a hill with obstacles. Now, I'm the only reason I would ever sprint down a hill is because my momentum made me go so fast. Right. <laughs> I'm certainly not going to be jumping any logs or dodging no. trees. That's more just falling, though, Matt. That's just like you rolling <laughs> down a hill, not sprinting. So, yeah. Well, 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 rolling is is usually what I do after the sprinting. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. But see that the his descriptions do seem to sound a little more primate like, you know, with the strength, oh, absolutely. the agility and everything, because you look at apes and even little, you know, orangutans or whatever for their size are incredibly yeah, I, strong. Yeah. I mean, you, you think about how much strength it requires to, you know, swing, swing in a tree or. Just, you know, if you've ever been to a zoo and, and gone to it, any kind of any kind of exhibit that has primates, you know, whether it's baboons or orangutans, chimps, you know, even gorillas. I mean, there's there's a gibbon exhibit at the Nashville Zoo. These things can get up and down straight poles. Right. In seconds like it's nothing. Yeah. You know, so, you know, primates in general possess a great amount of strength in relativity to their size. So if we're talking about a primate like creature that is anywhere from six to eight feet tall, you can only imagine how strong these creatures must actually be. Yeah. It could throw a bus with that size comparison. So the European contact with the Yowie is said to have begun with the arrival of the first fleet in Sydney Cove in 1788. Now, in the late 1700s, when Europeans first started settling the country, the Aboriginal people started telling them stories of the Yowie. Now, at first, they just thought it was tales to scare them away, but soon they began to realize that the stories actually held a little bit of weight, and they weren't just talking trash to the white man. The Kuku Yalanji tribe of far north Queensland claims to have coexisted with the Yowie for centuries. They have a long and detailed history of attacks by the Yowie in their legends. You can find a bunch of Aboriginal stories and tales of the dream time where they talk about the Yowie. Um, now, in the 1790s, the first, quote, official Yowie sighting was reported by a European, and it was made in Sydney. And all through the 1800s, sightings were reported like crazy. I mean, it was like an uh, explosion of Yowie sightings during that time. Now, one account in particular that reached London in a letter in 1820 told of an encounter in 1789. Now, it happened by convicts and a party of Marines while on a hunting trip. The men killed a bunch of wallabies and they were returning to the settlement when on top of a nearby hill, they saw an animal observing them among the trees, which they later claimed was twice the height of an ordinary man. So that's either a really big Aboriginal person or a Yowie, one of the two. But according to them, it was a Yowie. Yeah, could could be either one, maybe. Yeah, you never know. Could be could be both. Right. Maybe they were a couple. Hey, could have been, could have been, if you're out in the bush long enough. Uh, 
So, uh, yep, <laughs> that went <laughs> off the rails. Um, so the first southern sighting in Australia was reported on Phillip Island, Victoria, in 1849. Now, during this encounter, several people observed a creature said to be between six to seven feet tall, and it resembled a cross between a baboon and a man. Now, at the time, the creature was said to be sitting on the edge of a lake when it was shot at. So, see, there we have that baboon description being brought in. Now, arguably, one of the stranger and more controversial sightings comes in the form of a photograph in 1936. Now, it's one of a series of images that was taken by Rich Jones while working on an isolated logger's camp in Batlo. And I know I'm saying that right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We um, can say that. Yeah. Now, located in the snowy mountains of New South Wales, which is about 279, or 400, 279 miles or 450 kilometers southwest of Sydney, for anybody who's been there or is there wanting to know where that is. Now, the image appears to show a large creature sitting with his hands in his lap behind two men on a wooden log. However, further analysis of the photo reportedly shows the head area resting near its chin looking down. But a lot of people claim that this is due to tree line matrixing. Now, I know some of you are going, well, what is tree line matrixing? I know I am. All right. Well, Grant Wilson, who is co-founder of the Atlantic Paranormal Society, or TAPS, and is featured on Sci-Fi's Ghost Hunters, he said that matrixing is a term used to describe the human's mind natural tendency to find familiar shapes in complex shapes and colors. So it's basically what we call pareidolia. Where you see um, you see patterns that maybe aren't really there and stuff like that. Is that what you're talking about? Yep. Yep. So you're okay. seeing like you see a weird pattern and your brain automatically changes it to the shape of a man trying to make yeah. sense of the weird pattern. So, yeah. you know, you can find that picture and it kind of does look like something sitting behind them. But in all honesty, it it doesn't look very convincing to me, you know. It's one of those that if you told me what it was prior to me seeing the picture, I would say, oh, yeah, okay. But if you don't tell me, I'm not going to pick it out. It's just one of those kinds of pictures. Yeah. And I've I've looked at that picture, too. And I, I was kind of like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm with Adam. You know, if you didn't tell me what I was looking at. Right. I, I would have never, it took me forever to see it, for one. I, I had to look at one that had been color modified mm -hmm. to kind of highlight what you're supposed to be seeing. Yeah. I was like, okay. Yeah, it's like putting a red circle around a paranormal photo. If you do that, then yeah, okay, I kind of see where you're talking about. But if you just give me the photo, in a lot of them, I don't see what people are seeing. My matrixing part of my brain or my pareidolia isn't quite there like some other people's you know but you know i've i've noticed that before when you take a photograph you're you see something and you want to capture it and to your eye 
you see it in in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And when you take the photo and you look at it, it you're you're kind of like this. This doesn't really capture what what I was I was truly looking at. Right. You know the 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 photo. There's something about when, especially if you're looking at nature, something that may be still but is alive you know there's there's subtle movement you know there there's life to a nature photo whether it's moving or not mm-hmm. when you take a, a snapshot of it you're you're taking that out of the equation right and i think it does take something away from the photo so maybe not discrediting what people saw or what they've reported that they saw or what they believed that they saw but the photograph just doesn't translate sure to to someone that wasn't there. So again, that I think that that plays into a lot of why we don't have photographic evidence of a lot of things. That it's one of those things you just have to see you, with your own eyes. Which you know, that's what he says, yeah, well you just got to see it to believe it. Right. Well, sometimes that's true. Yep. You know, even if you're showing me a photograph, I'm I'm I still may not see what what you saw when you took the picture. Right. And, you know, a couple things about that is that's kind of what happens when someone's taken a picture of a mirror from a different angle and you see a, quote, face in there. A lot Mm -hmm. of times that's the matrixing effect of the pareidolia that is just smudges or dust or whatever that's making you think you see something when you didn't with your naked eye. Because all of a sudden now it's perfectly still. The glare is at the right angle to catch it. So you've got a weird face. So that can happen with Bigfoot photos or any cryptid type photo. You get this weird thing that maybe you didn't see with your own eye. Um, But the other thing it made me think of, too, was when you said, you know, we don't have the evidence. A lot of times I one of the things I believe about paranormal in general um just the 14 kind of stuff is I don't think we are meant to, or ever will have enough evidence of anything like that for science to go. Yep. Okay. Ghost exists. Da, 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 because I don't think we're supposed to, you know, I, I think there's some kind of block that anything paranormal keeps you from being able to get, proof positive evidence because I don't know that we are able to handle that yet. I I can get behind that, that idea because there are a lot of things um, that science doesn't accept that a lot of people accept, especially if we're talking about, um, you know, faith, religion, things like that. You know, science is going to, is going to debunk a lot of things, but faith is what carries you on. But that's why, you know, I think we're, you're not harming anybody by having a little bit of faith or hope or whatever you want to say that there's, there's things out there that we just don't know. And I, I mean, personally, I think it's real naive for people to say, yep, we, we know everything that's going on with this planet, you know, or, you know, the, the world around us in general, like we just don't. And, and I went to Adam, maybe we're not meant to, you know, maybe we're not meant to understand it, but 
Sure is fun to talk about. It. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that, that's what we do, Matt. We talk about it. I mean, you know, Adam and I aren't the type. We don't get angry at people that don't believe in some of the stuff we talk about. Hell, I mean, we don't believe in some of the stuff we talk about. <laughs> but um, but it's it, it it makes for a more interesting existence. Right. You know, to to have an idea that maybe something did live for thousands of years that we didn't discover yet. Um, maybe, maybe something has come to this planet that has left a mark or an impact on society that we don't fully understand. I, I think it's it, I think it's great fun to do that. And I think it's OK to to believe it, you know, that it's possible. Right. You know, that to not just completely close your mind to the idea that there's something out there that the human race just doesn't understand. And and I think this fits perfectly into that. As as do as do a lot of cryptids. I think some of them get a little out there. Um, but but something like this, you know, we're we're really talking about the idea that there's an indigenous creature to the continent of Australia that we don't fully understand. And I think as as we get into some of these sightings. It's gonna it's gonna appear that man I, I I may I may want to believe in this one I may not believe in Bigfoot but I may get behind the idea of a Yowie right right you know because there there are similar a lot of similarities as we've mentioned but there are some differences too for sure right and you know I I think a lot of that before I get back into it from our tangent here um, I think a lot of that comes down to what we've talked about before with you know, come into things skeptical, but not cynical, because yeah, there's right. a there's a big difference be- between skepticism and cynicism. And mm-hmm. a lot of people nowadays, when they say, oh, I'm a skeptic. No, they're actually a cynic because they re- will refuse to believe anything, even with eyewitness testimonies and any proof that you put in front of them. They're going to debunk in one way or another. That's a cynic. Come in skeptical, saying I can believe this if it's proven to me or if there's enough eyewitness testimony or enough evidence given to me, I can believe this, but don't completely close your mind off to saying this is impossible because it doesn't fit with what I believe science says or with what we found or anything like that. And I think some of our next few episodes are going to touch on that a little more we'll we're, we'll be talking about that more in uh subsequent episodes so you know be prepared for that yeah yeah um we're gonna take you to the edge right which we <laughs> we'd like to do that's fun for us we won't push you off we promise but no. we're gonna show it to you we'll tie a rope to your belt loop and make <laughs> sure you don't fall but we will dangle you over the edge a little bit now there's an account that was written in a book by Tony Healy. And a well-known sighting in the vicinity of Woodenbong occurred in 1928 in Palin Creek. Woodenbong? Woodenbong. I had one of those in college. I figured you did. <laughs> Wood's not the way you want to go, though, Matt. That, I know. It didn't work well. Well, breaks easy. Anyway, um, <laughs> that's about uh, 30 kilometers across the Queensland border in the border ranges region. 
Now, it says in 1928 at Palin Creek, a Bob Mitchell said he and a mate were riding through the area at about 10 a.m. when they saw a Yowie. It says, we saw a Yowie standing in a clearing not far from us. In that light, there was no mistaking it. It was about seven feet tall with a black human face and a gorilla-like body covered in thick brownish hair. It showed no aggression, just looked at us for a moment, and then turned and disappeared into the bush. It had really big feet and could move really fast. So in that is a couple descriptions that differ a little bit from like the North American Sasquatch because it says not only does it have a human face, but the body and the skin color of the creature was black, but it was covered in brown hair. Most of the time when Sasquatches are described, they're described with more of a brownish skin tone, like you would think of like a deer, like a white-tailed deer skin, that mm-hmm. kind of fawny brown color. But right. apparently these Yowie, a lot of them have black skin with brown hair on top of it. And, you know, it could be a evolutionary advantage to living out in the bush there in Australia that maybe it helps regulate body temperature better or like a sunscreen or something that they don't need in North America. Just random musings that I was thinking. <laughs> um, there's another well-known incident that occurred in December 1979 when a local couple, Leo and Patricia George, ventured into the forest and came across the carcass of a mutilated kangaroo. Now, they later claimed that the perpetrator was only 40 feet away. They described him as a creature 10 feet tall, covered with hair, that stopped to stare back at them before disappearing back into the brush. So, they saw the mutilated kangaroo and then the thing that mutilated it, which you don't normally hear about with Sasquatch sightings. You see some evidence but you never catch the Bigfoot around its kill or its food. So the Yowie seems to be more carnivorous, where a lot of Sasquatch enthusiasts believe that they are scavengers or something like that, opportunistic well, maybe, feeders. Yeah, or, or general omnivores where they, they feed heavily on plant material and not necessarily on, on meat. Right. More, more like you know, certain bears. Yeah, you know, will, yeah, right. Will, will, will live on a diet of, you know, fish and, uh, you know, plants and berries and that that kind of stuff. You know, but yeah, the the yowie seems m- much more of a carnivore than than the sasquatch does. Right, right. All right, Matt. So. Let's talk about Care-of real quick. Care-of is a subscription service that delivers vitamins and supplements customized for your specific health needs. You just take a short quiz, answer some questions about your diet, your lifestyle, your fitness and health goals, and they put together a personalized plan just for you. It can be really hard to know what vitamins or supplements you should be taking, but Care-of makes it easy to find out what you specifically need to be your healthiest. Care-of's fun online quiz asks you about your diet, health goals, and lifestyle choices, 
takes only five minutes to find out your personal scientifically backed vitamin and supplement recommendations. You answer easy questions like how much sleep are you getting? Are you looking for more energy? Do you need something to help support weight management or healthy hair, skin, and nails? It really gets personalized. I think I would say yes to all of those, Matt, to be honest with <laughs> Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Um, I know we both have tried it, and I thought it was really cool that you could do, you can get the packets that personalize for you, and you could just throw that packet in a bag or backpack or whatever. Yeah, they make it super easy, and Amanda and I have, have done it. We really, really enjoy it. Uh, it saves us a lot of cabinet space for sure because we don't have bottles and bottles of supplements taking up space in our cabinets. Yep, so. exactly. Now, the individually wrapped vitamin packets are now made from compostable plant-based film that meet the same safety standards. So, your vitamins are kept fresh while also being good for the environment, which is really cool so you don't have all that waste. They also have vegan and vegetarian supplement options available to match your dietary needs and to ensure you're getting the nutrients you need for those specific diets. Now, our listeners can get 25% off the first Care Of order. And all you've got to do is go to TakeCareOf.com and enter the code GRAVE. That's G-R-A-V-E. Now that's for 25% off your first Care Of order. Go to TakeCareOf.com and enter the code GRAVE. That's G-R-A-V-E. So the sightings, they, they, they continue on all the way up until the modern day. Um, you know, Adam has taken us up to about the 70s. And it's interesting, in the 70s, uh, a former Queensland senator named Bill O'Chee claimed to have seen um, a hairy ape-like thing that probably would have stood about eight feet tall. And this was uh, just outside of a campsite at Gold Coast Hinterland back in in the 70s. I mean, this is a senator, or at least a former senator, somebody that's pretty respected, and he's saying, hey, I saw a Yowie. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know? um, but not only in, in, in Queensland, but a lot of the other areas around there, uh, there's just constant reports and eyewitness testimonies in uh, areas such as, as Brooklyn, Grafton, and Kempsey uh, in New South Wales, Kalamunda in Western Australia, and Bendigo and Beauchamp Falls in Victoria. And aside from these accounts, the evidence for Yowie's has included um, the unusual nocturnal noises, scratching on tree bark, and casts of footprints. So sometimes the, the sightings, they, they may not actually see the creature, but they're seeing the evidence of it. Sure. Um, and, you know, you'll, you you hear some of these Bigfoot hunters talk about the Bigfoot tapping. Mm-hmm. Um, the wood where they'll, knocking. They'll be wood knocking. Um, so the, the scratchings on the trees and the howling at night is, is something very common. In fact, in, in 2016, some Yowie hunters actually went to an area to document some of these, the, the nocturnal noises and the scratching on the trees. And while using, uh, you know, essentially like a, you know, a game camera, um, they posted a video on their Yowie Hunters YouTube 
channel, which shows a large, dark humanoid figure walking hunched over through a dense patch of forest in New South Wales. Now, in this video, you can hear the voice of one of the hunters saying that the creature was too dark to be a kangaroo. Now, the hunters are supposedly about 100 meters away from this beast, but obviously it's walking upright on two legs with a long, deliberate stride. Now, I have seen a kangaroo, mm-hmm. you know, in person, you know, at in your zoo, house, at, yeah, at, at my house, in my backyard. <laughs> I've got one as a pet, um, but no, at the zoo. And, and of course, I've seen countless ones on television and I've never seen a kangaroo walk like one foot in front of the other. Right. They they pretty well kind of kind of hop or jump or they get down on uh, with their four feet and. You know, the, they move more like a rabbit. Um, it, it, you know, if, if you've seen a kangaroo, ta- you know, take a stride like this. I want to I, I want to hear about it. But yeah, no kidding. I, I've never seen it. And I've watched this video and, could, you know, could it be a dude in a suit? Sure. You know, it absolutely could. Um, but it's a big dude and he's <laughs> taking some awfully long strides. Um, longer than what you would expect a human to be able to take through what appears to be some some fairly heavy brush, almost like he's stepping over some logs and and fallen trees and and tall grass and brush. So, I mean, it's not hardcore evidence, but it it is it is a compelling video if it's factual. And you know, these guys claim that it is. Of course, they're they're Yowie hunters. They're gonna. They're going to want it, but they were investigating an area that was common for sightings and, and a lot of the, the noises and, and wood scratching. So, um, you know, they figured they were in a hot spot. So uh, I would say they were. Like you said, it's hard to mistake, in my opinion, a kangaroo, even those big jacked ones that you see, which you just Google search jacked kangaroo and you'll see these that are just <laughs> cut like they're the rock of the jacked kangaroo. Kangaroos. I mean, seriously, just type in jacked kangaroo and you'll see it's like Dwayne the kangaroo Johnson out there, <laughs> you know, but, I, you know, you've seen those boxing kangaroo. It's like a like kangaroo with boxing gloves on. Can you imagine that kangaroo with that old style, you know, cartoon, you know, strongman dumbbell with the big. The big round weights on the mm-hmm. end out there pumping iron, you know, and getting a, all jacked. And an anchor tattoo. Yeah. Drinking a muscle milk. Right. <laughs> but it it I would I would think it would be hard to mistake a kangaroo in motion, let yeah. you know, standing there, but let alone in motion for something else, a bipedal creature. For for a primate. And yeah. And you live you live in Australia for crying out loud. You know, a, a a country that's lousy with kangaroos. Right. You know, I would dare say that every Australian knows exactly what a kangaroo looks like and would be able to spot one in a millisecond. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, I just, I just can't imagine that you couldn't. Yeah, right. Um, so I can't imagine that, you know, these Australian men are going to be out there going, well, that could be a kangaroo. No, they're not. Yeah, right. It's a kangaroo at all. It doesn't look like if it doesn't look like a kangaroo to me, I guarantee you it doesn't look like a kangaroo to somebody that's from Australia. Yeah. Um, 
But in, in 2018, writer Brett Tingley published an account for Mysterious Universe relating an encounter by one Katrina Ayers uh, in July of that year. Ayers was driving north of Roma on the, here we go, <laughs> on, on the on the Carnivon Highway. Now, she was taking her time to avoid hitting kangaroos, okay? So she obviously knows she's dodging kangaroos. Yep. They just happen to be out in the road. Like I said, Australia's lousy with them. So while cruising at a slow, safe speed, Ayers spotted what she thought was a large rock by the side of the road. And as she got closer, she reports that the rock stood up, revealing itself to be a large, hairy, humanoid creature standing over a kangaroo carcass. Now, Ayers estimates the beast stood roughly 152 centimeters, that's five feet tall, and described its hair as auburn colored. So there again, you've got this creature standing over a kangaroo. Right. So you're not going to say, oh, there's a kangaroo dead, mutilated on the ground. That sure is a weird looking kangaroo above it. You know, yeah, you, exactly. you've got a comparison right there. Yeah. And, and you're and there's kangaroos all over the road. Mm-hmm. So you're you're looking at them and you see a different creature. You're you're going to be exactly you're right, Adam. You're going to be able to make a comparison right there. These are kangaroos. That thing eating a kangaroo is not. Yeah, a kangaroo. That ain't no roo. Yeah, but you know the the accounts go on, and in fact, um, there was an account in February of this year, 2019. Now, this account was published by Jocelyn LeBlanc, and again, this was posted on MysteriousUniverse.org, which our our friends at the Mysterious Universe show are Australian. You know, big surprise. Um, right. But <laughs> but uh, she details one man's really frightening encounter with a Yowie. Now, she writes, a delivery truck driver claims that he came face to face with a Yowie. The encounter left him struggling to cope with what he had witnessed. 53-year-old driver named Gary was riding along Australia's Gold Coast in the daylight. When a huge creature suddenly came out from the bush on the side of the road, forcing him to slam on his brakes, the creature was walking on two legs and looked to be around three meters tall, which is over nine feet tall. The creature then slammed its arms down onto the bonnet or the hood, if you're in the U.S., of the truck prior to going back into the trees. The entire encounter didn't last very long. As the creature disappeared almost as quickly as it had appeared to Gary. He said the whole thing lasted for five seconds and you're staring this monster in the face, watching it to make sure it isn't going to step around at you. You are scared for your life. Now, unfortunately, Gary wasn't able to take a picture of the creature since everything happened so suddenly and his dash cam was being serviced on the day of the encounter. He said, I figured it was one in a million thing. Lightning doesn't strike twice. He said, on the other hand, I would like to see it with a camera just to prove it. Prior to this encounter, he had never believed in Bigfoot, but needless to say, his thoughts have changed after coming face to face with one. Yeah, no so, kidding. I mean, you know, again, we're, we're seeing a lot of evidence from these two stories from within the last two to three years of 
number one, a comparison with a kangaroo that it, it's not a kangaroo. Number two, that they are obviously carnivorous. And number three, like we said at the beginning of the show, they seem to be much more aggressive towards humans than any of the Bigfoot stories that we 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 know and love in the U.S. Right. So, you know, it, it makes sense to me that this this could be some type of of large primate that was kind of left unchecked. Yeah. And I mean, I. I've never been to Australia. I I, I want to go. Me too, brother. My, Me too. My my sister my sister actually just just went recently. So you know to, when when I look at, at at Australia on a map, of course you know it, it's it's huge, but it, it looks like there's the population is is fairly concentrated a, along the coastal areas, right? And that there's there's not you know a, a heavily populated area in in central australia and i i would think that if there's anywhere on this planet outside of maybe antarctica that where you know a creature like this could live and survive for decades centuries and and essentially go quote unquote undiscovered it would be here yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've got you've got aboriginal history of these these beasts or these hairy people as they they were described. To me that you know, much like Native Americans in the US, the aborigines are going to be the ones that are going to know. Right, right. And I don't think you can you can just discount some of that history by saying Eh, they're just legends or they were stories meant to scare white settlers away. You know, I, I don't really think that because I think there's been too many sightings consistently throughout the years. I mean, we're talking about sightings that date back to the 1700s all the way up to six months ago. Yeah, right. Well, and that, you know. that's like the the thing I was thinking about the whole time doing this research is exactly what you just said. That there is so much land there in the bush where there aren't settlers. There aren't a lot of housing districts and and blocks of houses and all this stuff that a larger animal could go undiscovered for a lot longer than somewhere like North America. Sure, we've got a lot of land, but we got a lot of people on all that lots of land. and Yeah. You know, like you said, most of the cities and stuff are around the outside, you know, the the ring around the coastal areas because it's too harsh to live, you know, in a lot of the center areas of the bush. And, you know, Matt and I could be completely wrong because, like we said, we've not been there, but. But that's the way it looks. Yeah. And and that that's the way it, it that's the way Australia is kind of portrayed you know, to in the U.S. Right. You know that there there's a large portion of you know essentially unsettled territory. Right. You know that that exists. You know across the continent of Australia. And so uh, you know all Adam and I are really trying to get at is, you know, if that's the case, the the likelihood that there are animals 
um, that are native to that region that just the, the investigators just haven't been able to to pin down, locate, and say, "Look, this is this is an um, you know an, an original native primate to Australia." Uh, that I think it's I think it's entirely possible. Oh sure. Now, 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 some researchers take it a, a little bit further. Like you know, Dean Harrison, who we mentioned earlier, believes that you know the Yowie could actually be Homo erectus. You know, a, an an ancient um, ancestor of Homo sapiens that you know is believed to be extinct. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's managed to survive uh, again in an area where it could have have thrived for centuries without really being disturbed. Now, another Yowie researcher named Tony Duffy, now, he, he's got an even he's got an even different point of view. He believes that not only could the Yowie exist and, and be be a hominid type creature, but that it might even be more intelligent than we give it credit for to the point that. He thinks they might even be able to speak English or Latin. And, you know, he claims that um, that he is encounter he encountered a Yowie one night in the bush near near. I'm going to say this is is Jim Jimpy G.Y.M.P.I. I I figured that sounded more accurate than Gimpy. Yeah. Um, But uh, Duffy says, I got a fright and so did he. He told this to the to the Jimpy Times. He said he was quickly able to learn a few words in English, and we spoke for about two hours. He <laughs> says they're very intelligent. And he said the Yowie returned the next night with, quote, his wife and daughter. <laughs> and so they, they had a cup of tea and they, uh, yeah, you know, roasted talked marshmallows, about the, <laughs> talked about the, the rugby game over the weekend. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> yeah, well, see, you know. That's the thing. I believe that the Yowie or the Sasquatch is more intelligent than a lot of people give them credit for, you know, as far as animals go or as far as close to, you know, an ape goes. But I'm not willing to say that it knows Latin. You know, how did it learn Latin in Australia? Right. If it's a, a an original primate, you know, there's not much evidence that Latin was spoken ever in Australia. I could be wrong, but I've never read anything about, you know, the Latin speaking Aboriginal tribes or anything yeah. in Australia. You know, Latin was a more, you know, a, a, a European language. Um but yeah, I, I I don't know that either. Um, some Australian scholars may uh, may be able to shed some light on that. But um, but you know we do know that primates can be taught language because you right. know we have we have primates in this country, um, you know that know uh, American Sign Language. Yeah, Coco the gorilla. Yeah. So I mean, and to be able to communicate effectively, um, but but it's not it's not like they're formulating you know full sentences you know it's not like you're you're holding a conversation you know from what i've seen it's like we're we're communicating needs and emotions yes. so it, it's on a very simplified basis this this kind of makes it sound like 
you know, they were, you know, having a full blown conversation. Maybe I'm misinterpreting it. Um, but if he was able to communicate well enough that the, you know, the Yowie was able to come back with, you know, other members of his family, um, you know, that, that, that's a lot. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's a lot, but, but Duffy goes on to believe that Yowies are endangered creatures whose basic shelters in forests are often destroyed by humans. And, you know, his mission is to protect them and convince people to leave them alone and not to hurt them. I really don't know that anybody's actually hurting them. Um, you know, if, if their habitat is being invaded, you know, they're, they're going to protect that. Sure. And that may very well be the case. Um, you know, as civilization grows, you know, and deforestation is, is a problem. I mean, you know, here in the United States, you know, if it, if it sits still too long, somebody's going to build a subdivision on it. Yeah, so. no kidding. They'll put a subway or a McDonald's on it if it sits That's still right. long enough. That's right. You know, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta take up every single piece of land, you know, we possibly can, and and live on it. Um, and you know, and you know, put a movie theater in there, and you know, invite more people to live there. Apartment complexes um, and a check cashing place, and <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like. This this sounds like where I live. <laughs> um, you know, but you know, he he really is is pushing to um make Yowies a a protected species in in Australia. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not discrediting what what Tony Duffy um what he what he says. I think it it seems a little a little fantastic based on the research of other people like like Dean Harrison that they they may seem a bit more more wild than what Tony Duffy is is describing but you know maybe not you know maybe again kind of like uh Sasquatch believers feel like that they are much more intelligent than we fully can understand and that's why they are able to go undetected and undocumented for such a long period of time that's why we don't see you know legitimate evidence of their existence because they maybe fear man um you know they they see what man you know has the capability of and you know with with you know with weapons Possibly they're like, we're, we're not going to mess with these people. <laughs> yeah. Know? yeah. The, these, these creatures are dangerous to our kind. So we, we need to hide and we need to keep ourselves uh, away from them because if they discover our existence, then our existence could be in peril. Yeah. And that's like, I don't know if I've said it on the show before or not, but I know Matt, you and I have talked about this. Uh, one of my many theories on Sasquatch and and now can be applied to the Yowie as well is it was is a old an older species of hominid that evolved alongside of Homo sapiens and where we chose to keep evolving and go to the mechanical age they chose to go the other way and stay in the woods and live off the land and not evolve in the same way that we did. So they still have a high intelligent quotient, uh, intelligence quotient where it has that processing 
ability to understand stuff like that, where we're going to avoid humans. We don't want to go that way. We don't want to be them. But I don't think that they, if they have a language, I don't think it's English. You know, it's not a a language that we would understand. It could be a more, you know, an older, more simplistic style of language or, or a very complex one that they have developed themselves that we don't understand. I really doubt that anybody is speaking Latin with a Yowie in the Australian bush. You know, yeah, I just, hard, I, I don't believe it. It's hard to believe. Yep. It, it, you know, it, it really, it really, it put, it pushes your thinking. Well, and it's people like that, that drive certain skeptics to the cynic side. Oh yeah, absolutely. They, they want you to take their evidence seriously. They want you to believe in the Yowie or the Sasquatch just like them, but they're then saying stuff like that. Or they're saying, you know, that Bigfoot is the pet of an alien that drops it off here to take a bathroom break while it's <laughs> running through the solar system, you know? and Yes, it is. It is the pet walk on the... Uh rest stop of the universe yeah exactly (laughs) so it's stuff like that that then pushes people away from serious research on the yowie or the sasquatch and and i think it does a disservice to the science that could be done on a relic hominid species that may still be around yeah and i mean when and and speaking of you know scientific evidence adam you've got some you you've got some information about some fossils that have been found. Right. So let, first, I, you know, like we we're saying, I know that these reports sound crazy, you know, but you've got to remember that when the first reports of the platypus made their way back to Europe, people didn't believe them and they thought people oh, yeah. were just making stuff up. You know, sure. they thought it was a bunch of people out there drinking in the Australian bush coming up with these ideas and even the first specimen that was sent back to europe was thought to be just a hodgepodge of different animals that was taxidermied together yeah so you know we have we now know that the platypus is a legitimate species that is out there but nobody believed it at first they thought it was a joke they they thought about it the same way that people think about the yowie nowadays so why is it that the Yowie can't also be a real creature that we just don't have any physical specimen of yet? Yeah, uh, exactly. You know, and like we were saying, if there's going to be a species of a large animal that we don't have record of, one of the best places that Matt and I can think of for it to live would be the Australian outback or sure. Australia in general, Tasmania, wherever. Let's talk about fossils for a minute. People will go, okay, well, There's no fossil evidence of ape species ever living in Australia, and it's the same with the U.S. Well, that's fine. But let's look at some resource info that I pulled up on how fossils are formed, because I think it will shed some light on why our fossil record is so vastly incomplete. And a lot of scientists will actually say that our fossil record is biased. Scientists say that less than 10% of life on the planet would ever even have the chance of becoming fossilized. 
Now, why is that? Well, there are several different ways that fossils are formed. Now, the only way we're going to talk about right now is the terrestrial animal remains being fossilized because aquatic animals kind of go through a different process, very similar, but that's not what we care about at the moment. We're not talking about aquatic sea apes this episode. That was a few episodes ago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, this says from, from the article that I read on how fossils are formed, it says fossils are formed in a number of different ways, but most are formed when a plant or animal dies in a watery environment and is buried in mud and silt. Soft tissues quickly decompose, leaving behind hard bones and shells. Over time, sediment builds up over the top of the, the remains and it hardens into rock. Now, as the encased bones decay, minerals seep in and replace the organic material cell by cell in a process that people call petrification. Now, alternatively, the bones may completely decay, leaving a cast of the organism. Like if you were to make injection molding, basically, there's a cast. And then the void that's left behind will then fill with minerals and it makes basically just a stone replica of the organ of the organism. Fossilization on land is fairly uncommon because most areas of the land are being eroded all the time. So unless there is deposition, fossils can't be preserved. So there has to be silt, dirt, or something being placed over top of the remains on a steady basis to allow minerals to seep in and replace the bone with these minerals for a fossil to be formed. So if the animal dies in an environment like a forest, the body is likely to decay long before enough sediment can be deposited on top for fossilization to occur. Because if you if you have deposition on land, it's commonly only in river valleys. So fossils are fairly common in sediments deposited on river floodplains, but not in flat areas where there aren't rivers or used to be a lake or something like that. Most most of the time when we find fossils, there was either an ancient lake there or an ancient riverbed or something where it could be deposited on top of. Now, look at animals that die in the forest today. The natural processes of decay will break down the soft tissues first, and it leaves the bones, which then will be broken apart by scavengers or just broken down by weathering and microorganisms and also the acidity of the soil in the forest. So we are lucky to have the fossil remains that we do. It was just by happenstance and the grace of mother nature that we got these because if you think about what the scientists say less than 10 percent of everything that lived on the earth from the beginning of time till now has been fossilized so if you're going to say hey we don't have fossil record of an ape we haven't seen the bones of an ape living in australia well that doesn't mean a whole lot. That's right. It it would have to die in such a a unique scenario. 
Yes. That it, it allowed the body to almost immediately be covered up right. and then repeatedly be covered up and uh, allow that, that natural decay process to occur over a long period of time to allow it to fossilize. And just like in the U.S., there, there aren't that many areas where that could have happened. Right. And so, yeah, I'm with Adam. I mean, you know, it, it, there's, there's a, a good possibility that, you know, terrestrial creatures like this existed in both places uh, at some point in history. And we don't know it because we don't have a fossil record because, like Adam says, our fossil record is is saying imperfect would be a huge understatement. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, that argument to me for the non-existence of a creature like the Yowie or Sasquatch doesn't really hold weight because... I mean, if you just look at the facts, even scientists can't disagree with the facts of how difficult it is and how rare it is to make anything become a fossil. Um, you know, I mean, a lot of the theories that I would have for what a Yowie could be are basically the same as my theories of what a Sasquatch, North American Sasquatch could be, because I believe they're of a related species or something like that. I, I think that the Yowie, in my opinion, there's two options for what a Yowie could be. It's, it's a relic hominoidal species that took a diff different evolutionary tract from Homo sapiens. So, when the aboriginal tribe said we have another tribe of man, they weren't lying. They weren't putting any type of, you know, information or anything that wasn't there. They were legit in saying that because it is a different tribe, a different species of hominoid, or it is an ape species that, yes, we don't have fossils for but they live out in the bush somewhere where we can't find them and their bones, their body, everything decays or is scavenged so quickly in such a harsh environment like the outback that we don't have the evidence of it. But I believe those, those to me are the two options, you know, in my opinion of what they could be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I, in fact, I, I don't, I don't have a way to better explain it than what Adam just did. Um, I mean, I, I think that it's legitimately possible. I think either, either scenario is plausible. You know, if, if, if it's not probable, it, I think it's plausible, uh, especially when we're talking about Australia, may, maybe, maybe less so in the United States, but, you know, I, I think because of the size of, of Australia and, um, you know, the the large area they have that is um, not as populated. I, I think it, it is a plausible idea that some species, whether it's, you know, a, a humanoid type species that took a different tract or if it's, you know, um, a, a native primate, 
I, I just don't think you can completely say, yeah, it's it's absolutely not true, and, and all of this is made up. And then when you when you bring upon the evidence of the sightings, and you you look at just just how many sightings there are, you know, I, I'm kind of one of these these people that says, you know, okay, if you you give me a thousand sightings a year, I'm going to take probably five hundred of them seriously and of those you know i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna knock out a good 20 to 30 percent of it just being a a creature that's misidentified Mm -hmm. and and now now we're gonna boil down to okay how do how do we how do we deal with you know this you know these 250 to 300 sightings because we we really can't come up with a logical reason other than there's there's a primate that you know inhabits you know this part of the world right but on that sense if if you take just one single sighting and it turns out to be legit that's all you need to to say that there is a species there sure you know now that's not good enough for science or or scientist and and I don't think it should be like I don't expect scientists to say, "Oh, you saw something good. It's a new species." You know, we yeah, right. <laughs> we have a process that we have to go through to scientifically prove that. But if only one of those sightings, thousand a year sightings, is legit, then we have a case to start researching. It it's just like the thylacines, the Tasmanian tigers. Mm-hmm. You know, we think they're extinct. But people are seeing them all the time. People have photographic evidence of them. You know, we have listeners who have seen what they think is a Tasmanian tiger. And, you know, if it's something like that, that we knew was there, we thought was extinct, but now turns out to not be, that we're seeing evidence that there possibly could be a relic population of these thylacines that is still living that we haven't found yet, we haven't found evidence that it's still around, then to me it's in that same category as the Yowie. Why are we completely counting out the Yowie except for the fact that we didn't have one in a cage in the 20s, but we did the thylacine? You know, people give credence to the thylacine is still around, but they won't that the Yowie exists. Yeah, I mean, you know... the that's a that's a good a good another good example is is the crested gecko. Yep. You know, the crested gecko was was a species that is native to uh New Caledonia. Now, they believed that this species of gecko was extinct until there was a big storm and you know, during the the cleanup of all this, they're they're turning over these logs and well, hey, look at all these dead crested geckos because they were able to adapt and hide and people didn't see them because they didn't realize, oh, they li- they're living inside these logs. Mm-hmm. They believed they were extinct when they really weren't. Right. And and just earlier this week, um, you know, a news, re- news report came out that said the, the blue macaw is officially extinct. And what was funny is the first thing I said when... I saw this was, how do they know? Yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, we're, t- we're talking about a bird, you know, that, you know, it lives in the jungle. How, 
how do they know it's extinct? How do they know they just had? I mean, how, how do they know they just hadn't found some more of them? And I'd say they're they're you know they've been endangered for quite some time because you know people want to capture them and keep them as pets and whatnot. But um, again, it's an awful bold statement to go. Yep, the last one's dead. Yeah. <laughs> Close the book on this creature. Yep, exactly. Wait. Are you sure? Are are you a hundred percent sure that this this was indeed the last one? Yep. Have you turned over every rock? Have you scoured the entire continent centimeter by centimeter? Probably not. So there's a possibility these things can move. So even if you searched over here yesterday and you start over to the right of it the next day, it could have gone to where you just were avoiding you because yeah, it knows absolutely. you're trying to kill it. Yeah, so that's right. On on that note, this is the, the part of the show where we say, what do you guys think? Do you think the Yowie exists? Do you think it ever did? Do you think we are doing it an injustice by not taking it seriously enough to try to scientifically study the possibility of the Yowie? Yeah. I mean, you know, Adam and I have given you a lot of information to think maybe it's plausible, but make your own decision. Tell us what you think. You know, jump in our Facebook group, especially all of our great listeners uh, in Australia. You know, let us know. You you guys are going to have a lot more information on this than what we had access to. Um, let us know. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you've got a lot of really good stories about the Yowie. Um, if you've got hear pictures, them. send us. Pictures. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Cause we, there just aren't a lot of pictures that are available, um, to, to research that are, are, are really all that good. Right. And, and I'm, and I'm sure there's a lot more out there that we just couldn't come across, but, um, but yeah, tell us what you think. Um, and go, go check us out. Um, our website is graveyardpodcast.com and on our website you can listen to the show you can find links to buy our merchandise uh you can become a patron and thank you to everybody who has donated to the show oh yes and 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 if you've been thinking about it you know go ahead and pull the trigger because the content that you know we put out on on uh you know for patreon is it's a lot different it's more loose it's you know so it's a it's a little more more casual and it and it sometimes is is outside of what our typical show content is we think you'll really enjoy it um and we've just started um doing some just kind of some back and forth uh catching up and and yeah, the, kinda, the getting personal lo- episode. Loose getting personal, you know, talking about what Adam and I have been up to. Um, you know, if if you're interested in any of that, um, you can you can join up in Patreon for as little as as a dollar. Yeah, and uh, every little every little bit goes right back into the show. It doesn't go directly into Adam and Adam in my pocket. Um, so we we put all this this money that comes into the show right back into the show to keep creating uh content for you guys um you can find us on social media i mentioned our facebook group we've got fantastic listeners that are in that group it it, it's a safe place to come and share some pretty uh, interesting stories some personal experiences but you can find us on twitter and on instagram and please rate and review us on itunes 
uh, because those reviews get us further up the charts and it brings more people into the graveyard. So until next time, we will save you a seat in the graveyard. See you soon. The scary thing that Yowies uh, have a massive, um, I, and I screwed this up. <laughs> um, but um, let me pause the, and let them out of the room real quick. <laughs> she okay. just got home, so they're going crazy. Selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. <laughs>